Well, thanks for being here tonight. And what I'd like to do this evening is start with a story that I read in a book called Why Sin Matters. And it was written by a Christian psychiatrist, Mark McMinn. Why Sin Matters, if you want to look that up and maybe get a copy of that later. But McMinn tells a story about a young girl that came to him for counseling and for therapeutic help. And of course, he is a passionate follower of Christ, and he was sharing how that she grew up in a home where she said the number one value in our home was self-esteem. And she said, my, my parents were always telling me how kind I was, how good I was, how helpful I was, how intelligent I was. And McMinn says that he tended to agree with her parents. The girl was all of these things. But as a teenager, she got involved in promiscuity and drugs and alcohol, and her life spiraled out of control through college. And she came to him as a young woman, and she said, I really, I know my parents have said all these things about me, but she says, there are some dark things about me as well. There are some things that haunted her and troubled her. And so she came to McMinn for help, and he was able to help her come to an understanding of why we need to be born again and how only Christ can deal with the problem of sin that enters our lives. And I just want to share with you as we start this message tonight on how God heals our hearts. Sometimes you may have heard this topic talked about as inner healing. Sometimes you may have heard it talked about as healing of the memories. I tend not to use that phrase too much, although I want you to know that's exactly what we're talking about because there have been so many controversial things from New Age teachers to spiritualists that have talked about this. I see the pattern of how God heals us through his amazing grace and how God deals with our sin. And so healing is at the very heart of the Bible. We looked at that as we began this series in Exodus 15, 26. I am the Lord who heals thee. I am the Lord who heals you, not only physically, but spiritually. If you were to ask my wife, she would tell you that many times I've said to her, my greatest healing was not physical. And you may know part of my story, how that I grew up disabled. I, I can tell you all kinds of stories about disabilities. As a matter of fact, I am told I'm legally still classified as disabled. But the Lord touched me and healed me, and I've never tried to take advantage of that. I've just simply walked in the health that God gave me. But my greatest healing was not my physical healing. My greatest healing was how God healed me on the inside. And that's what I'd like to talk to you tonight about is how he heals us from everything. We're going to look at what the Bible says over the next two, maybe three weeks, because I don't want to rush this topic. We're going to look at from creation to the fall to redemption. And we're going to look at how God does that and how he comes in and makes us a brand new person and why any Christian doesn't have to live crippled by their memories, crippled by fear, crippled by inner turmoil, crippled crippled by doubt, or crippled by any other lie of the devil. God has called us and set us free. And so it's with the knowledge of God that we must begin. It's with the knowledge of God that we, we start everything that we hold to in life. Unless a man or a woman sets their heart after seeking after God and knowing God, then everything else begins to pale and not work in our lives because we fail to deal with what sin really is. That's why I believe so much in the preaching of the word. The Bible says that God has chosen through the foolishness of preaching to save the lost. Now, beloved, hear me on this. The Holy Spirit always flows through the word. The Holy Spirit always flows through the Word. The Holy Spirit has a way of probing the deep 
secret things of our hearts and of our memories. He has a way of bringing back to light those things that have blocked the flow of his spirit in our lives as we read the Bible prayerfully, as we read the Bible on our knees. I often encourage our congregation, get on your knees before the Lord with your Bibles and spend time prayerfully reading the word of the Lord. As we read the word of God, he deals with our emotions. As we read the word of God, he deals with the painful experiences of our past. And that's probably where I had the greatest healing in my life was all those painful experiences that came along with those disabilities. But God touched and healed me there. But God also deals with the disappointments we have in our life. And so I could just give you a long list of what I've seen God deal with in healing people. But what I'd like you to see tonight as we go through the word is that the Holy Spirit always flows through the Bible. He always flows through the word of God. That's the reason that we never want to divorce our experience in Christ away from the Bible. We never want to just come to the place that somehow or another we think we just need church services and maybe a small group and singing to the Lord. We need the word of the Lord. Look at this right here from 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 21. For no prophetic message ever came just from human will, but people were under the control of the Holy Spirit as they spoke the message that came from God. Now that word under the control from the, from the Good News Bible there, it's the word inspired. And the word inspired means God breathed out. So if I was to cover this microphone and go, you can hear my breath being expelled. God breathed out his word. And these men who wrote the word of the Lord, they were inspired to write the Bible. So it's not just the thoughts of men. And occasionally somebody who doesn't know God or doesn't know anything about the Bible, they will ask me, they'll say, you know, how do you know the Bible is the Word of God? Well, there are a number of reasons that I don't have time to go into for that, that we can look at that. But one of the things I always tell them is why don't you just prayerfully, even if you don't believe in Jesus, even if you don't believe in God, why don't you just prayerfully say, God, if you're really there, begin to read the gospel of John. Or God, if you're really there, begin to read the gospel of Mark. And take your time and prayerfully read the Bible and see if God doesn't begin to speak to you. And I can't tell you how many of my friends through the years have told me it totally changed and revolutionized their lives as they began to read the Word. I can tell you famous historical figures who set out to disprove the Bible, but as they read the Bible... They were convicted and the Holy Spirit opened up their hearts to them. So never think of the word of God as just static. Never think of the word of God as something that just sits on the shelf. But the Bible, think of it in a sense as a flow. Because when you put the word and the flow of the Holy Spirit into your life, God begins to pour his life into your personality. God begins to pour his life into your presence. Let me make you a promise tonight. And I promise you this. If you will be a good student of the Bible, the blessings of God will follow. If you'll be a good student of the Bible, the blessings of God will follow. Second thing I'd like you to see with me tonight is that God heals the painful experiences of our life. There's always pain in people's lives. I never meet people without pain. Even the most humorous people. As a matter of fact, I have found through the humorous people that I know I have found a common thread running through their lives. 
Humor has been a way they have dealt with pain. Humor has been a way that they've dealt with disappointment and hurt in their life. And I thank God for their giftedness. I thank God for their wittiness and for their humor. But all of us struggle with some painful experiences in our life. As a matter of fact, fear torments a lot of people. Some people are just bound up in fear. They, they're, they're fearful of a promotion at work. They're fearful of changing jobs. They're fearful of their education or maybe getting an education. They're fearful to trust God for their finances or to trust God with their marriage. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm a pastor. And I want to make this real clear. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. I am a pastor. But my nearly 50 years of experience of preaching the word and counseling with people, and a brief experience of working in mental health, and all of the things that I've been forced to read as a result of the ministry that I've had, whether it's been working with homeless people in shelters, whether it's been working overseas, or working in the local congregation, all of these experiences that I've had that has forced me to read and dig deeply I have come to the conclusion there is not a single human problem that cannot be addressed from the word of the Lord. And the greatest psychology text that there is, is the word of God. As I opened up with a story tonight of psychiatrist Mark McMahon, who wrote that book, Why Sin Matters. This young woman who grew up in a beautiful home, a wonderful home, had her self-esteem built up, but her life spiraled out of control because she did not know how to handle those dark desires and those dark drives that were in her, and they got her life all bound up. It wasn't because she didn't come from a good home. It wasn't because she didn't come from a good background or loving parents. It's because each of us have a sin nature that we have to deal with. Now, having said that, I don't want to try and make anyone think that a good psychiatrist or a good psychologist can't help you. I don't want to make anyone think that a good counselor can't help you. However, I do want to say, and this is important, listen to me now. I want you to look me right here in the eyes if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube. And I sent some folks tonight that I've been talking with and praying with. You need to watch tonight's message. So look at me right in the eyes. There is a real danger to opening your soul about spiritual things to a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a counselor who doesn't believe in God and doesn't believe in his redemptive work and tries to deal with sin and the consequences of sin and the problems of sin from an unconverted view. Jesus says, that's like the blind leading the blind. And he said that that was Hebrew humor. If you can just imagine one blind man saying to another blind man, follow me. And he starts off across a minefield or he starts off across a, a plowed field or something. Soon everybody is stumbling. They'll fall into a ditch. And although uh, even a psychiatrist or a counselor or a psychologist Mike can help you, who, who's, who's an atheist or doesn't believe in God, Mike can help you with some things like how to make a decision or something like that. When you open up your soul to talk about issues that have to deal with the core issues of who you are and, your, and the sin problem that we all face, you need to know that you're dealing with someone that not only trusts God, but believes God's word. The psychiatrist that I worked with told me one time, he says, I am not a Christian, but I believe the Bible. And it's amazing to me how you could believe the Bible and not be a Christian. So I want to say it again. They can help you, 
But the real help for the healing of the hearts of our lives, for the hurts of our soul, for the deepest hurts of our hearts, it comes from God. Robert Coles was a, a Harvard University psychiatry professor. Let me read to you what he said. He said, I've done therapy with a man for 15 years. He's as angry and as self-centered and he's as mean as he was the first day he walked in my office. I don't ever want that to be said about anybody that comes to Woodland Church. That you're as angry, as mean, and self-centered as you were when you came to this church. We believe in making passionate followers of Christ around here. That's what God's love does to us. He transforms our hearts. So the professor went on to point out that even though this man had a dysfunctional childhood, and even though he had been emotionally wounded, he said, I've concluded that what this man needs is not information, but transformation. Isn't that powerful? It's not information that changes us. It's the transforming power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. I love what God does within us. I love how God changes our life. And by the way, I love information. When I took a strength finders test or anything like that, it always comes up that I'm a learner. I love to learn and I love to share what I learn. But it's not information that will change you. It's the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to Romans chapter 8 and verse 26 tonight. In certain ways, we are weak, but the Spirit is here to help us. For example, when we don't know what to pray for, the Spirit helps us in ways that cannot be put into words. All of our thoughts are known to God. That's a shocking thought right there, that all of my thoughts are known to God. He can understand what is in the mind of the Spirit as the Spirit prays for God's people. And we know that God is always at work for the good of everyone who loves Him. They're the ones that God has chosen for His purpose. Now, don't rush past this scripture. If you're at home and you've got your Bible or you have the notes on the app, just keep open to this verse of scripture. First of all, uh, we have a nurse in here tonight. The word helps is actually the same word that's used about a nurse who helps a patient get well. It's the same word used about this patient, that, about this nurse that doesn't just come alongside of and stand beside. Sometimes it helps to have somebody just stand with you. But the nurse is actively involved in helping. And what God's word is saying here is that the Holy Spirit comes along inside of our lives and he's actively involved, look at this, in helping us when we are weak. And all of us, I don't care how strong you are, all of us face times when we're weak. The president faces times of weakness. The governor faces times of weakness. The wealthiest billionaires, the most generous philanthropists, everyone faces times of weakness. And I'm so glad that the Holy Spirit, who knows what's in my heart, and sometimes what's in my heart comes out my mouth, and I wish I could get it all back, you know? But God knows, and he helps us if we turn to him. Look at John chapter 37 and 39. Anyone who is thirsty may come to me, and anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For as the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. What I want you to see here is the connection between the first point and the second point. Number one, God will always work through his word. God never divorces himself from his word. When you read John chapter 1, and I just challenged you, if you're not a believer, 
just ask God, if you're really there, help me. You're going to read how that Jesus was the Word. Jesus is the incarnate Word. Jesus, the Son of God, came and He dwelt among us. The Word of God made manifest, made flesh. God's Spirit bears witness to His Word, and it flows like a river through us. In the Scripture, I've been able to find nine different rivers that flow out of the river of God Himself into our lives. And those nine rivers we'll take a look at later on. But what I want you to see tonight is that God is more than able to heal you. But the mistake many Christians make, and I'm just being honest here, and I have this happen all the time, people want me to lay hands on them and for them to be well healed of a lifetime of hurt or pain or sorrow, and then suddenly they're going to walk away happy and joyful and mature. There is always a call from God to each one of us in this room and to every one of us to cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit and to take up our cross and follow Jesus. And that's not a message where we want things to happen instantly. We'll look at next week or the week after, we'll look at nine different things that God calls us to do that has something to do with our inner healing or the healing of our heart, the healing of our souls. So connect the two. Number one, don't ever think of the Word of God as static. The Bible is alive. It's a living, breathing Word. When you read the Bible and you invite the Holy Spirit's presence to help you understand, you're letting the personality of God be birthed into your personality. And the second thing that I want you to see this evening is how important it is that we allow the Holy Spirit to help us as we pray and as we face the challenges in our life. Well, And the little bit of time that I've got left remaining to me tonight, because I do want us to spend some time in prayer, what's God's remedy? What's God's remedy? This is what the word of the Lord says in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Now, it's interesting to me, that Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, remember we talked about how God breathes out his word, God breathed into these men, left this recorded for us as not just a word for Timothy, but is recorded as a word for every one of us in here. Not just a word for pastors, even though it's written to Pastor Timothy. Timothy would have understood what Paul was saying. And as we look at this, Timothy was facing criticisms, Timothy had a father that wasn't a believer, as far as we know. Timothy had a a godly mother and a godly grandmother. Timothy wrestled with physical problems. The Bible tells us about that. Timothy wrestled with some confidence problems. And so in the second letter of Timothy, Paul doesn't power up on him. Paul shows him how he can power up on the devil. And you've got to read this verse of Scripture right here. In a proper context, Paul is showing him how to power up because God did not give us a spirit of fear and timidity. Now, that word fear, that's an interesting word. And I wish the translations did a little bit better with this than what it does. But that word actually means a cowardly fear. It's, a, it's a, the kind of cowardliness that runs when the, it should stand because all of us experience fear. If you live in my home state, when you walk through the woods, you better have a little bit of fear in you, or you're going to step on a moccasin or a rattlesnake, you know? And I'm going to tell you, I'll be the first one to tell you, I'm afraid of snakes. So when I'm out walking, there's a man sitting right here beside me that one day we're out walking. You just grow up where I grew up at. You develop an ear for snakes. And I told him there was a snake. 
And he says, Pastor, there's no snakes here. I go, there's a snake here somewhere. He goes, there's, that's your imagination. We kept looking and we found that little snake laying by the path. You just develop an ear for him. So I said, let's go around the little fellow here. So the point I'm trying to make to you is this is not fear. There's a healthy fear, but then there's a craven type of fear, a cowardly fear, spineless fear. And in the Bible, now this is important. You need to get this because this is going to sound harsh and I don't mean it to be harsh because some of you are running perhaps from what God has called you to do. Maybe you're running from your marriage. Maybe you're running from the problems your kids are having. Maybe you're just so defeated inside, you think I'll never amount to anything. And you're, you're fearful to start because all you hear is your dad or some professor that died years and years ago telling you, you're never going to amount to anything. The vice president of my college pulled me out of class and told me, you don't belong in this college. You don't belong in this school for the simple reason because of some of the disabilities I faced. And I remember standing in his office in a Christian college and listening to this you know, it was shattering. I stayed, though, and God pulled me through. It was difficult, but God pulled me through. And later, I was asked to serve on the board of that college. That was a really great experience because I brought back that memory, not as a bad thing, but just thankful that I didn't give up and give up to the cowardness that everybody thought I should give into. So God doesn't give us this cowardly fear. A Christian and a coward is a contradiction in terms. A Christian and a coward is a contradiction in terms. And Paul was challenged by all three of these things, authority, affection, and, and power. Paul was challenged by all of these things. If you'll stop and just think about what the Bible says, the Galatians challenged his power. They said, you know what? In person, you're powerful, but once you're gone, there's no power to you. The, 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 excuse me, the, the Corinthians challenged his power. The Galatians challenged his love that he didn't love them. And I'm sure that maybe Alexander and Demas thought he was stern because of his call to discipleship. Demas forsook the Lord, having loved the things of this world. There was even a politician, and we've got several politicians in our congregation, that said to him, Pastor Paul, you are mad. You're out of your mind. But Paul never backed down from the taunts of the enemy, but he understood where his healing came from. And so what I want you to look at carefully tonight is not what he's given you for just a moment. Look at what he has not given you. God has not given you a spirit of fear. God has not given you a spirit of timidity. And those things should not be a part of a Christian's life. The Bible is very clear that cowardliness will send you to hell just as quick as lust or adultery or anything else. A cowardly heart. We have to repent of that. So the first thing that I want us to look at for just a few minutes, and we're going to just deal with this one, and it's going to be time to pray, is this thing of fear. And what Paul is dealing with here is the kind of fear that shrinks back from doing what we're supposed to do. The kind of fear that sometimes... You know, I don't want to pray in public over my food because people will look or maybe they'll mock at the plant or they'll mock at the office. You know, you give God thanks for your food. You don't have to make a show out of it. I never make a show out of it. There's one man I won't ever have lunch with again. I took him to one of my favorite restaurants here in town and he decided to preach to everybody in the restaurant while he was praying and he's shouting while he's praying. I wanted to smack him into next week, but that wouldn't have been a very godly thing to do either. 
Second, what a fear does is it causes us to abandon ship and to give up hope. It causes us when we should stand fast. How many times are we told in the scriptures, stand fast? And even cowardliness will cause us to do what Demas did. We will desert God for the world because there's a price to pay for following Jesus Christ. There are people like myself. Pastor, are you ever afraid of serving God? You better believe I am. But I will never surrender to that fear. I think, and I could be corrected on this, but I think it was George Patton that said that courage is answered prayer. Courage is answered prayer. One of his aides became a friend of mine in his old age and just gave me all kinds of little things that he'd heard General Patton say. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. What does God give us? He gives us courage. What does God give us in place of that fear? It's, it's what Patton said. I believe that's a, you know, I don't know anything about a spiritual life, but I do believe that that's a true statement, that God gives courage in answer to prayer. And the time that we're living in, it requires courageous men and women. And so some people, because of their experiences and their past, they're bound up with fear. Perfect love, Jesus says, will cast out fear. But never forget that fear can cast out love. And more than once in my own life have I been tested in that. You've got to understand what God gives you. Hope is what God gives us to deal with fear. Look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 5. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So when you're fearful, focus on two things. The hope which God has called you to. The hope which God has for you. And secondly, let God fill your heart with his love. Love is the answer to fear. Every mother understands this, has wanted to rush in and save her child. Every father understands this, has wanted to rush in and save his family. We admire the courage of the first responders in New York City when they rushed into the flaming twin towers because of their commitment to their call. We understand how love can transform us. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18, let's go back to this verse again. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we've not fully experienced God's perfect love. That little phrase, you may want to write this out to the side of your outline tonight. That little phrase for fear of punishment is actually the Greek word torment. Torment. You say, Pastor, why aren't you afraid of not being punished didn't Jonathan Edwards preach a message on sinners in the hands of an angry God? Absolutely. But if you read that message, you'll discover about the grace of God, that God took our sins and placed them upon Jesus, and Jesus was punished for our sins. The Bible says, and this is so important, that God will fill us with his love. And I, I just want to close with this thought tonight, and next week we'll pick up we'll pick up with the subject of doubt. And I know that maybe some of you, that's, you know, you doubt yourself, you doubt God, you doubt your circumstances. But we're going to talk about that next Wednesday night. But I want to close with this because the reason I chose 
this characteristic of God to start with is because it's the trait or the characteristic that God most identifies with. The Bible never says that God is patient. never says God is moderation. It never says God is power. But the Bible clearly states the one characteristic that sums up all of who God is is God is love. And John, that great apostle of love as we call him, he wrote those words and how many times have they resonated in our hearts. And what I'm preaching to you tonight, it is true. It is good psychiatry. It is good psychology. It is good counsel because it is the word of the Lord. Not because I said it, but because God said it. And he breathed it out and his spirit flows through us. So let me just close with a prayer for you tonight. We're going to talk about doubt. We're going to talk about inner turmoil. We're going to talk about those things that handicap us emotionally. We're going to talk about our emotions and how God heals our hurting hearts. I got an email from someone this week who said, my heart is just so heavy and I'm hurting so much. I I don't even want to get up. I don't even want to leave the house. I know that's depression, but I also know a little bit about the story. So I want you to know that God wants to make you whole. God loves you. God loves you. Don't ever forget that. And God's word is powerful in you. And the Holy Spirit, if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, he lives in your heart. He doesn't want you to live in bondage to fear and doubt and turmoil. God wants you to walk free and whole and happy. Back to McMinn. When Dr. McMinn counseled with that girl and she saw what those dark things were inside herself, what the source of those was, and when she understood the gospel and what Jesus Christ had done for her, she gave her heart to Christ. He has followed up with her She's went on to have a happy, she's a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. I promise you, God will heal your heart. Let me pray for you tonight. Lord Jesus, I love you so much, and I thank you for this word tonight. I thank you that as we look at this for the next two or three weeks, if you are willing, that God, it is your will for every person who is hindered by their memories, who's hindered by their past, who's hindered by their painful experiences, Or, Lord, they're hindered by doubt or fear. I'm asking you in the name of Jesus Christ, set them free right now. Let the flow of the Spirit of God just be at work in their lives. For it's in Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Now, let me tell you what we're going to do right here. We're going to go off the air. We're going to talk for just a moment amongst ourselves. We're going to pray together. I would encourage you, if you're by yourself, just... Get down before the Lord. Look at what we've looked at tonight. You can take your app and just look at the notes and just pray over these verses of Scripture, especially if you're dealing with fear and ask God to help you tonight. Or you can email me at info at woodland.church. Info at woodland.church. That's all you need. And if you have some questions or if you need help or if you need pointed towards a, a, a godly counselor or psychologist, I'll do my best to try and help you. But I love you, and I hope I'll see you here on Sunday morning again. God bless you. Good night.